All right, Anderson, welcome to the Expanded Minds podcast. For anybody watching, welcome back. And uh, how's your morning been? My morning has been great so far, brother. How are you? How's your day been? I'm doing good. One of the things we talked about earlier is um, wellness practices, taking care of your well-being. And this is our off-camera conversation. So, you know, wellness, taking care of your well-being, things like that. So is there like a certain morning routine that you did today? Like, do you practice something in the morning to get yourself going? Yeah, actually, um, today's 21 days in and I've been practicing gratitude um, every single day now for 21 days. I told myself in the beginning, some people set New Year's resolutions and I try not to do that because it, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming to do a resolution. So um, what I gifted to myself this year was a gratitude practice where I get up. Um, there's a community that I'm part of, but I also journal quite a bit um, and with the community it helps because um, accountability as you know is huge you can't just do this thing by yourself um so i got up and i've been getting up every day and start my day with gratitude and it's been amazing um, and the way it works out is that there's an online community on an app called clubhouse which i've been a member of now for i want to say about three years and um it's a highly supportive community and i get to share my gratitude in english but i get to listen to people's gratitude in all kinds of languages and from all parts of the world as well. So that part is really enriching. I mean, how about you? What's your morning routine like? Yesterday, I just got up and just set up every, like the, the this back uh, screen and everything. So I didn't have time to do my usual. But um, I usually just meditate <laughs> That's for like nice. an hour or two. So nice. like, it feels very nice. As soon as you meditate for an hour or two in the morning, then the rest of the day, it kind of just seeps into it. So it's kind of like, you feel a little bit more lucid. You feel a little bit more clear headed. So that's a lot to do. But like, wow. so you journal, right? You write down your different affirmations in your journal or like. I write down my gratitudes. Um, typically gratitude, it's just yeah. the, yeah, the things that I'm some, I want to get into affirmations at some point. I I've used affirmations before. Um, there's some slight differences between the affirmations and the gratitudes, but um, right now, the practice is gratitude, and I want to, I want to, I want to incorporate more of those affirmations. Um, but throughout the day, I, I come across different elements, um, you know, people, and um, so I start my day in the morning, and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And at the end of the day, I'll come back and revisit those three things. Usually, I'll add to them, and um, and and so sometimes it's like six things by the end of the day. Uh, and fast, fascinating enough, actually, um, funny we're talking about this. I just got a challenge for next month to actually bump it up to five things in the morning and five things in the evening. So we'll see how that goes. But um, it, gratitude is so beautiful because it has an immense way of shifting your consciousness. And for me, it's been that shift has been happening now for a few years and continues to happen through this month. So something that I'm, I'm, I'm. To be honest with you, I'm really grateful for. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, like, what's keeping you motivated to like continue to write in your journal, right? Because it's like sometimes journaling for some people, it can be difficult. You know, like having that consistent uh, repetition of just writing down what you're grateful for, or maybe sometimes they might run out of things to be grateful for. Sometimes, what has kind of kept you, or maybe what's the underlying factor that has been like uh, keeping you going with your gratitude practice? A mm. um, couple of things. So you talk about running out of motivation. Um, yeah, the first time when I did gratitude, just a short story. The first time when I did gratitude was 2021 when I first came back from, uh, I did a road trip across America. And when I came back, I, I learned about gratitude and I started practicing it. And what happened is I got to day 14 and I, and I skipped the day. Actually, I didn't skip the day. I just didn't find anything to be grateful for. I was like, this thing is nonsense. Like nothing is happening. And the next day I got up and I, I was, the, I was so harsh to myself. I was like, how could you, like, how could you give up on yourself? How could you not have this perfect score? You know, how could you? And when I was processing all of that, I was talking to a friend of mine about it and they were like, but Anderson, weren't you grateful today about being alive? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They're like, aren't you grateful that you have a breath? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So it's really easy for us to forget the things that 
um, that we are grateful for and get so frustrated because we're we're so stuck in this um, in our current reality of like wanting up each other or having the perfect score. And for me, it was about perfectionism. <laughs> so the first time I practiced gratitude, I learned that um, it's not about perfectionism. It's doing it your own way. And there is always something. There's, there's always going to be something for you to be grateful for. And so that was a challenge which I put myself on after that. I was like, if there's always going to be something for me to be grateful for, from the big things to the smallest things, I'm going to have to hold myself accountable to this practice. I've seen the shift that it did for me because it helped me identify the the areas that I need to work on, like perfectionism. So, um, so from that standpoint, I didn't want to deal with perfectionism anymore. Um, that was one thing that I wanted to get rid of. And two, um, I wanted to elevate my consciousness and I wanted to continue to elevate my consciousness. And, um, and three, I wanted to be able to share with others because um, we can change the world and it starts with us, right? So I had already started that practice and I was like, why not incorporate other people into it? So I found the gratitude community online and the accountability, I, th I thought it was gonna be me actually impacting them. But what I came to find out is by listening to people's gratitude, the impact that it had on my life was was absolutely amazing. So for those three reasons, I've been I've been going pretty strong. The accountability has been great. And I I hope to keep going through the end of this month. And um, and I hope to keep going through next month, actually, because the goal for next month is going to be five gratitudes in the morning and five in the evening. Yeah. Like what are some other effects of gratitude? Because like it seems like one of them was like you have to like recall things in your life so it seems like it would affect your memory in some way in a positive way like having to recall these experiences and just be like you know what yeah i'm grateful for this that i have this is there any other effects that you think gratitude has on or has had on you and can have on other people oh man where do i start um <laughs> so i've been Yes, the answer is yes. There's a lot of ways by which gratitude can affect your life. I just talk about perfectionism, which is not a physical trait. It's actually um, a mental, emotional state, in my opinion, but I could be wrong. Um, perfectionism for me was uh, was a what I came to find out was a trauma response. Uh, it was a trauma response because of my what what I come to find out is my fear of rejection. So fear is a is an emotional state. So. What gratitude has been helping me is to deal with those fears and face them head on in in ways that are very different than how I dealt with fear before. You know, like for for me as a uh, African man, um, most men are told to not feel, not talk about their emotions. Actually, they're told to bottle it up and and push it down and and push it down some more if it hurts. And it's it's really allowed me to face my fears head on and not be afraid to talk about it as well with others because there was a time in my life where you told me i was a perfectionist i was like absolutely not get out of here or if you told me i was afraid for rejection i'd be like absolutely not so i was very headstrong in that sense having that emotional healing emotional regulation um that emotional groundness has been really really good for me and as i share with others i, I now i speak a lot about mental health and why it's important for people to prioritize their mental health um, I find that I'm, I'm really connecting with both men and women, um, but mostly men who um, don't feel like they have a voice in this world to talk about um, the emotional path. So I, I, I do have a, I run a company where we talk quite a bit about holistic wellness. And for me, it's about the eight dimensions of wellness. Um, gratitude has been impacting all of those eight dimensions for me. Uh, of course, we need hours to talk about every single one of those dimensions, but we just talk about emotional and uh, mental state. Uh, for physical wellness, uh, one of the things that it was it's done for me, um, I remember there was a few months ago, I was training for um, a half marathon. I don't know which one I was training for. And I decided to go for a run that day, but instead of listening to music, I brought the gratitude room with me. I um, I was listening to people's gratitudes and gratitude shares. And the goal for me that day, or what I thought my body was able to handle, Ezekiel, was three miles. I told myself it was three miles. That's it. That's my capability. That's, that's the limit of my physical ability today was three miles. 
and it was a belief that I had strongly in my body that my, my body could only run three miles that day and that was it, it was gonna be done. Something funny happened. Um, I started running that day and I got to mile number two and I was so energized. Um, I got to mile number three and I just kept going listening to people's gratitude. It was almost like my body didn't want to stop. It was almost like I had broken through the limit that I had in, I created for myself in my mind of what my body could handle. I got to mile six and I paused and I, I shared in the gratitude room that I was actually, I was actually going for a run. My goal that day was just to do three miles and I have doubled my distance. Well, wouldn't you know, I actually ran nine miles that day and it was amazing to see what gratitude is able to do to your mind and what I, that translates to, to your body. Because if you told me in the beginning of that day, hey, Anderson, you're gonna run nine miles today, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. But that's just it, these limiting beliefs that uh, things that we create for ourselves or things that society um, imposes on us and then we start believing them and then our body just freezes up. But by practicing gratitude, it actually released my body to go nine miles that day. And, I'm pretty sure that if I wanted to keep going, I would have kept going, but um, I, I had to go to other things that day. So um, that's just some of the areas. And of course, we talk about accountability. The community aspect of it has been really, really big. How it's impacted my interpersonal relationships has been really, really big. Yeah, so it has like a physical effect. It helps, you know, remove limiting beliefs, which are mental. Is there anything, is there any other effects that gratitude has? Yeah, yeah, physical, emotional, um, um, psychological, of course, um, uh, social, um, social. My network is is changing. It's been changing. I've got some gratitude warriors in my life now who have been hugely supportive to me. And um, those fears that I used to carry about, like looking a certain way, you know, in order to be accepted, it's like I, I don't have to do that anymore. All I need to do is just be myself because I have that gratitude for myself. I could just be myself and and have that unconditional acceptance of myself. And by having that unconditional acceptance of myself, people can accept me for who I am. So um, so it's been impacting um, my my relationships in that sense. And so you also mentioned like the eight you know dimensions of well-being. Like, can you just briefly go over what they are? So it's gratitude and what else? Yeah, um, so gratitude is actually not one of them, but it's, it's been my path to healing and to actually connecting deeper with those eight dimensions. Okay. So um, so most people are aware of their physical wellness or their physical well-being. Sometimes we call it fitness. And in fitness, we talk about your diet, your exercise, and your sleep. Um, now, post-pandemic, a lot of people are aware of their mental health. And so um, I, I bucket that, that into your mental emotional health. Um, in your mental emotional health, that's where I actually got to find gratitude and things like self-compassion, emotional regulation, and things like that. That all falls in that bucket. Um, there's an intellectual space. So intellectual space, you're, you're learning about the universe, you're learning about yourself. Um, you go to school, uh, you read books, you listen to podcasts, all of those um, form your intellectual wellness, how, how well you know about the world. So that's about knowledge. Now, um, a lot of people are getting laid off or getting burned out at work. So work is a big part of people's lives. And so that forms your, your career wellness, your work wellness, um, having something that's meaningful is a, is a form of wellness. There's a lot of people who are working at jobs where they just don't have the psychological safety. And so it's really important to do something that is meaningful to you and also meaningful to others. So that forms your wellness in that sense. I'm not gonna describe every single one of those dimensions. Um, gratitude falls in the spiritual wellness realm for me. Um, in the spiritual wellness, uh, when I was growing up, I went to church, for example. Some people went to temple um some people may just practice mindfulness you talk about doing uh two hours of mindfulness or meditation um meditation is that path to deepen your spirituality religion is that path to deepen your spirituality it's all the different parts of deepening your spirituality 
for me growing up, it was about going to church and that helped me deepen my spirituality because I was a Christian in that sense. But um, I veered off that path a little bit to follow science, which put me in that intellectual, um, it, it deepened my intellectual curiosity, um, science from everything from the atomic level, how we are made to the universal level, um, how the universe is formed. So I just covered your physical wellness intellectual wellness, spiritual wellness, and career. The other four are financial, environmental, spiritual. Um, did I talk about spiritual already? Um, uh, yeah. Yep. So you got financial, environmental. Um, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank now. Um, social, social, which is a really, really big part because you have to, um, social wellness starts with your family. Um, and then it, 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 it goes into your friendships and then into your, your, your relationships, whether your love life or whatever. Um, and, um, and there is one that is not coming to me right now, but I, I think it will. Um, I think it eventually will. But those that, that if it does, I'll, I'll just link it. I'll just like put a little little a title so that people Perfect. can get the eighth one. But yeah, just let me know Perfect. if you remember. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. How do you prioritize your well-being? Like, what are some things that you can do on a practical basis that are, you know, can help you prioritize your well-being and, you know, get you set on the right track just in life in general? Um, I think it really start for me at least. <laughs> it, it really starts with a sense of self-awareness. Um, that self of sense of, of self-awareness is usually around mindfulness, around what is it that I want for myself today? Who is it that I want to become? Um, I think a lot of times we're so focused on what it is that I need to do, and we miss out on the person who we are becoming throughout the journey. Um, I'd always focus on the to-do on my list. Um, you know, read that book and get that next job and run that company and you know and go out and run the next race or the next marathon but through that process what happened for me is that i was missing out on the person who i was becoming um you know and when you don't have that moment of um, introspection that moment of reflection you know <laughs> there is a there's a song by I, I hate to quote Taylor Swift on your podcast, but there is a song by Taylor Swift where she talks about the anti-hero and the ability to stare at yourself in the mirror, like really stare at yourself in the mirror. For most people, it's way harder than looking directly into the sun. I, I paraphrase the song, but um, it, it's much harder for people to reflect on themselves than to look at the sun, which is, it's hard to look at the sun. You know, it's blinding to look at the sun, but a lot of people would rather be walking through this universe blind than to open up their eyes to the reality that is dumb. So what we see, how it plays out today is there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of depression. And what I came to find out is that anxiety is just people who are so future focused, always thinking about what's coming next. And the depression is people who are so um, past focused here, focused on the lack, the miss, like what, what, I, what I lost. But when you have that awareness um, of uh, and that for me is the gratitude when you have that awareness of the now and that every single moment that you um, you have right now you have the ability to change your odds then that is empowering um, so th that's essentially the beginning for me when you talk about coming to that awareness of the eight dimensions of wellness um, how it plays out um, physically for the last 16 going on maybe 20 years, I've been dealing with a lower back condition called degenerative disc disease. Or so they thought it was what I had. Um, I've been doing a lot of introspection about that because here's what I came to find out about back pain. Um, it goes away. You know, if you think about it, if you cut yourself, it's going to heal. Um, animals heal, plants heal, we heal. So, why do I have this pain for 16 years and it's not healing? And when I started asking myself that question, then the answers started coming up. Like, okay, well, maybe you should try different things. Maybe you should, instead of just being on medication all the time, maybe you should try yoga. Maybe you should try breathing and breath work. 
maybe you should look into whether that physical pain is a manifestation of something else. And the time someone asked me that, like, could your physical pain be a manifestation of something else? I was like, you, you must be out of your mind. Physical pain is in the body. How could it be from someplace? How could it be from my spirit? How could it be from my emotions? Well, <laughs> come to find out, emotions are just energy in motion. And sometimes when that energy gets trapped in the body, it causes us pain. You know, when, when people talk about things like heartbreak, they feel the pain in their heart or they talk about the pain in their heart. It's not physical pain, it's emotional pain. And if we don't have the, the tools to release that pain, then we feel stuck. And for me, for a very long time, I felt stuck believing that degenerative disc disease was a thing that I could not heal from. Well, two years ago, I, I ran a marathon. Actually, I felt stuck that degenerative disc disease was the thing that was limiting me from running and achieving the things in my life that I really wanted to achieve. And two years ago, I trained my body and my mind and I ran a marathon and everything changed from there. Then it became, oh, wow, if you could do that, then what other things can you break through? Um, could you break through your financial mindset? Could you break through um, healthy connections? Can you break through um, forming, um, learning in different ways, learning different things, which I was just never interested in. So um, those are some of the ways which it's it's been, um, it's been changing my mindset, but it's really been changing a lot of things from my reality. And, um, and um, for that, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I, and I continue to see the changes in my life because like, it's almost like every single day I wake up now, I learn something new about myself and I'm like, whoa, that's that's so cool. But most of society, you know, most of our education, we're conditioned to learn about the world and not learn about the person who we are. And like I said earlier, when you take a step back and you start learning about that, then you start unblocking those limiting beliefs that you've carried for so long. What uh, what marathon was it, by the way? If you don't mind me asking. Awesome. Boston, <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind at all. Boston Marathon. Um, Boston Marathon is one of the hardest marathons to get into. And I, I went to the three hours or was, how do you qualify? You, it's like, it's really, yeah, you have to like three hours. So I did not qualify to get in. Um, there's two ways to get in. You can either be a really, really good runner and, and qualify by having a really good time, or you can do it as a fundraiser. So I did it as a fundraiser and um, that's how I got in. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what, what mile were you feeling it like, or did you even feel any pain at all? Okay. Like my, my one. My one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. yeah um, did I feel any pain at all? I felt a lot of things. Um, um, mild. So Boston Marathon, if you've ever heard of Boston Marathon, there's a part of the race called Miles, um, the, it's called the Heartbreak Hill. It's usually around like somewhere between mile 18 and mile 20. And I trained my body to go 20 miles. So I knew that I, I, would, I would go past Heartbreak Hill. And I actually ran Heartbreak Hill before the race. So I knew, mm, you know what, I, this is, I can definitely make it to 20 miles. However, <laughs> what happened that day is that I got to, um, so I did most of my training in Maine, which is about 10 degrees colder than Boston. And when I got to Boston that day, I, I, I dressed up like I normally would when I was going out for my Sunday runs. Um, two things happened. One, Boston's 10 degrees warmer. Two, that day was actually a little bit warmer when I started running. So when I got to my halfway mark, I started like, I started feeling this pain like all over my body. And of course my mind was distracted. I'm like, what's going on? Like I can make it through 13 miles. So what's go why is my body trying to shut down right now? So at that point I started doing this. Um, and you know what? I'm really, really grateful for body scanning because when I learned the body scan technique, um, I don't know if you're familiar with body scanning, but essentially um, what it is is I, I went into this like um, mindful state and I started just scanning everything from my toes to my ankles to my to my um, to my knees and I scanned all the way up to my head to figure out why I was feeling this way I'd already slowed down I already hydrated like I already had a snack but I was gassing out 
And when I got to mile 16, what I realized at that point is like everything, like it was almost like I was doing this run walk and run walk. I could never fully recover from it. And, um, and finally I stopped and I started walking. And what I discovered is that um, I was overheating. I, I never knew that overheating was a thing that would actually cause this kind of reaction in my body. And so right away, the thing that I needed to do was get rid of my leggings. I had, um, I had these long sleeves. It was still a cold day. It was like 40 degrees. So I had the long sleeves on, but I had leggings on, which were, um, which were really warm. And um, <laughs> try taking off your leggings in the middle of a marathon. It was um, it was quite an experience. I had to jump into a porta party and lose my leggings. I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but um, but mindfulness was was what I used in that moment, and it really allowed me to break through that point. Because honestly, I, I, when I got to that point, I thought the race was over. Um, I thought my race was going to be over and I was, uh, all the fears started kicking in. And when I started doing the mindfulness, I was like, wait a second, you can do this thing. If you need to walk the rest of it, you can walk the rest of it, but let's just scan and figure out what it is that's bugging you right now and fix that and then go have an amazing race. So when I took those leggings on, I took off, um, and I, I kept running. Um, and then I got to mile 22 and, uh, um, I got to see my mom and it was like, oh, it was so amazing. So yeah, um, mom gave me that extra boost of energy to keep going. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, just to talk about the testament of like good connections, healthy connections. Um, I didn't actually see my mom when I, when I met her at mile 22. I haven't told a lot of these people, uh, a lot of people this story, but um, I heard the voice of my mother from a sea of like thousands of people and, to me, it was it was quite it was quite a miracle because like I could have missed her, and I heard her scream my voice. It's just to show you like how how connected we are intricately. It was so powerful, um, and I ran to her and I gave her a good hug. Um, it ended up taking me five hours and change to finish the race, but I'm so grateful that I did it. Um, my goal for that entire race was not about the time; it was about finishing, and I did it. I finished it. And um, I was really, really happy at the end. I didn't want to also, that was the other thing. I didn't want to finish it and then like crash, right? Because like I'd, I'd seen all these runners who crushed the finish, cross the finish line and then they just crash. Their family members would see them and they'll freak out. Like, are you okay? Like, do you need an ambulance? I didn't want any of that. So I finished, I took photos. I had a great time. I walked to the buses, it was freezing. Um, I got a snack. Uh, I met the girl that I was dating at the time, and then we went out with some friends. Um, and it was amazing because we had the after the, the after party. It was so fun. And to me, um, the lim limiting belief would have been finish the race and go home, right? But I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to celebrate it. I wanted to be able to share that love, that experience with my friends, with my family, and all. So I was able to do that. So. Um, but running has become um, more than just a physical journey for me. It's actually become a deeply spiritual journey for me because um, when I run, it's almost like I talk about running and gratitude. When I run now, it's almost like I, I go inward. I go into myself instead of going outward. It used to be like the thing that you show off like to other people and it stopped becoming that. I zone out and I reconnect with myself in ways that I never have before. So thank you for that question. I yeah. could talk all day about running apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to run a lot back back then too. I'm like getting back to back into running right now. And it's really? actually like, if you, if you connect with yourself, like how you talked about, like, I mean, once, once you get the blood flowing, right, it's like easier to really feel, get in a zone of like concentration and like, um, you know, if you practice also controlled breathing too, and then like, it just becomes like a super powerful, like, you know, like a meditative experience. Totally. If you just connect with your breath and your body like that. Yeah. Absolutely. What was your, um, what was your running distance? Do you mind if I ask? Well, when I was like younger, younger, uh, like middle school, I actually did marathons and then now I just, wow. now I'm just like short distance, but wow. I did like, I did the LA marathon. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I got. I, I have a friend of mine who's um um 
Long Beach, he's been training, well, it's like in Lakewood, uh, my buddy Henry, he's done a, a couple half marathons with me and he's been trying to get me to sign up for the LA, LA marathon. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do another one though. Like I, <laughs> I was like <laughs> one and done. <laughs> <laughs> it's so taxing on your body you know the training is so intense but you know i say it's so intense so taxing on your body but it's 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 spiritual liberation to be honest with you and i really really enjoy the joy of running it's um it's so powerful like you said it puts you in that deep meditative state yeah i don't know what it was but so i did two marathon or i've done three total of the la marathon like three times so I did it twice, mm-hmm. and the last the last time I did it, I didn't train at all. My only training was like basketball. So then when I went into wow. it, you know, well, mainly I had the motivation because my teacher was like, "Yeah, you can't do this." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm about I'm about to do it right now and prove you wrong," because I wanted to do yeah. basketball and then also want to do running, but they're like, "You only could do one," and like you mm-hmm. can't do that. And so I was like, "You know, I'm I'm still gonna do it regardless of what they right. say." So and I I did it. So it's it's interesting how like I mean I bring that up just because it's like. I guess mentally I was so prepared just after t- doing two of them that yeah the, that mentality was just of like proving them wrong wanting to prove them wrong and also like I've done it twice before For some reason I was just be able, able to do it with no training so it shows like how powerful like your mind can be um but it also brings me to a point of like I mean I think you have to have your energy you know your energetic centers open so like I think yoga or stretching can help you like I think if you're if you're flexible as a person, like your, you know, your joints are also healthy and everything like that. I think that, you know, going a long distance, like a marathon can be easier uh, without training. Like you don't have to do that much training for it. And that's just a, just a theory of mine, but I've, I've obviously done it. But I, I think if, if you're healthy, if your body's healthy, things are stretched out, you're not as tense. You won't be feeling that pain during the, the you know, during the marathon. It's just all mental from there. But what are your thoughts on like stretching, flexibility, you know, taking care of your body, maintenance and things like that? Mm. It is it's it's powerful you say that. And I think there's I think there may be limits to it, right? I think there may be um so a couple of things. One is I I I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about belief. And it talked about belief as something that comes from actually taking action. Belief comes from taking action. And so if you ask me then, can you run a marathon? I was like, I actually didn't believe that I could because I never done one before. Now that I've done one, I have to believe that I can do another one. So you've done a few now and that belief lies within you that you, you can go run a marathon. You can go probably run an ultra marathon because your body has been conditioned already. You have that belief, you've already done it. And a lot of people lack that belief. So that's where the limiting belief comes in is when you lack that belief, it usually comes from not taking action. So taking action goes a long way. Secondly, um, conditioning doesn't always come from just hitting the pavement every single day and running and running. Like you were playing basketball, you were getting your conditioning from that. Uh, You're probably getting strength training and all that from basketball because it, it, it allows you to not only train for speed, for endurance, but also for agility, changing directions and People who don't train for agility, you hear them like, oh, I hurt my ankle, or I hurt my knees, or I hurt something. That's your ability to change directions. And in this life, we need that ability to change directions anyways in all the aspects of our lives. Life throws us so many different things, curveballs, you name them, and your ability to change, switch directions, switch mindset is really important. Um, one of the things that you talk about was breath work, and I wanted to I wanted to comment on that because when I started running, I hired a, um, a running coach, and I've been practicing yoga for a while, so I had already been familiar with the connection between the mind and the body being the breath. However, I was still breathing really, really wrong, and a lot of people's breath is still really, really off because. Every time you interact with another person, your breath gets impacted. And if you don't know how to go back into your natural breath, then your breath is fully impacted all day long. The tightness in your chest or the tightness in your stomach sometimes will come from not breathing right. In my case, that's where it came from. So my, I think like the first four weeks of training for me when I decided to run a marathon was breath work. It was all about breathing. 
I'll meet with the coach and we'll sit down for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Sometimes we'll breathe and I'll get tired from it. I'll get tired from breathing the right way, you know, and we I learn about different types of breathing, um, diaphragmatic breathing, which is, you know, trying to push your diaphragm down and inflate your stomach. I also learn about pranayama breathing. So funny enough, um, I learned pranayama breathing from yoga, which is uh, the back of the throat breathing, almost like when you sound like Darth Vader. Um, that's a cooling breath. That breath actually cools the mind and it cools the body. I used pranayama breathing when I was running Boston Marathon and it cooled my body when I was overheating. So breath work is super important. And then you talk about stretching, right? So years ago, I was a personal trainer. I don't, I didn't, I wasn't always of the belief that strength training is all that you need to do. Absolutely not. You need to do more than strength training. And then there were five areas that I always focused on. Um, one of them was strength, obviously, which is how much weight you can lift. The second one was your power, which is how much, how much, how much weight you can lift, but in a short amount of time. That's like your explosive force. If you think about like calisthenics or jump squats and things like that, it builds that power for you. The third, this, um, the third one was um, um, endurance or elasticity, E. Um, and elasticity actually allows your muscles to elongate and contract very seamlessly. And most people don't think about how their muscles stretch and contract because we live in this world now, which is mostly sedentary with the work from home. People are not moving anymore. And even before the work from home, people were sitting most of the time. I was sitting most of the time. and I had the tightness in my muscles. When the muscles get shorter and tighter, it's easier to snap. So I made it a conscious effort. If nothing else, get some stretching into your routine because that helps your muscles go back to the natural. Think about it like a, if, you, if you had like a rubber band, right? Rubber band can, can, can stretch to its limit and then contract back. But if you put that rubber band outside in the rain and in the sun and you leave it there for a few weeks and you go pick it up and you try to stretch it, it's probably gonna snap right away. It tightened up and so it, it loses its elasticity. So that's that part. And then obviously we have speed, which is velocity, how fast you can go. And then I talked about um, A, which is agility, how well you can change direction. So those are the five areas which I always train my clients on. Um, uh, strength, power, endurance or um, elasticity, uh, speed, and then agility. And if you can, if you can really conquer those five areas, um, then you, you become what I call closer and closer to being physically fit. So yeah, you're 100% right. Yoga um, helped me with my flexibility, um, but I did all of those other things as well to help me become a better runner. Yeah, and also like tying it into what you said earlier, or yeah, earlier about uh, also your emotions, we tend to like store it in our body as well. So if you stretch out, for example, you know, definitely since the emotions can get stored in your body, um, you stretch out it can start to loosen yourself up and you can start to feel a little bit more um i also had like a i had a chiropractor on and chiropractor chiropractor practice is kind of controversial but yeah. their philosophy is very is very interesting though how the spine obviously is a uh, is what connects us to god and also it connects us to ourselves as well and um yeah. when you have subluxations which is basically your spine is like out of place let's say it like that or the yeah. discs are kind of like shifted a little bit, then it kind of it blocks the nerves, which which obviously um, impairs your ability to actually connect to something higher or to yourself. So, and also muscle yeah. tension can also pull your spine out of place, things like that, or tension in general can make your spine, you know, out of place. So when you realign it, you know, you can definitely have a safer place inside of yourself emotionally. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that. But uh. Yeah. Have, do you, have you noticed that like maybe stretching has helped you become a little bit looser emotionally or mentally or is it connected like that? Yeah, 100 percent. So, um, yeah, you talk about the spine, right? Everything from the crown all the way down to your tail. Um, uh, in, so in yoga we, or in the spiritual realm, at least um, we talk about the, the, the chakras of the body, um, these energy centers of the body and um, I, I've never been a big believer in those because like I mentioned in the beginning, I had a Christian base, which was all about going to church. We never talk about chakras and 
you know, whether they're blocked or unblocked, you know. Um, but when I learned about um, Eastern medicine, uh, Buddhism, Ayurveda, and all of the different practices, and I started um, tapping into the energy centers of the body and how they could get blocked. For me, where I stored a lot, of, and I'll be very transparent with you, for me, where I stored a lot of my pain was in my hips and in my lower back. And it made sense why I felt the pain there. Um, the energy was just trapped there. And I, and what I, what I did finally is I worked with the energy healer to actually go through and release a lot of the, the, um, the, the blockages that existed in my, in my lower spine, um, the exactly this was L4, L5 and the lower spine. A lot of people, um, I think I looked at the statistic and it says 80% of America, actually 80% of the world of adults actually deal with a, a, a chronic back condition at least once in their lifetime. So this is pretty common. And most of the time, what happens, we go and see our doctor, right? And they put us on some kind of a medication, pain, muscle relaxer, whatever. How, how well do those people actually heal? Well, some of them actually do heal, but when you've been dealing with a chronic condition like I had been dealing with for so long, the tightness and the spine and all of those things, like for me, the tightness and the, the so <laughs> let me just backtrack for a second. The emotional state um, got my muscles to tighten up. Think about it. When something bad happens, like you get into a car accident, you freeze up, you tighten up. And if that tightness doesn't go away, if you don't have a way to release that, it stays in your body. So that tightness stayed in my lower back for so long. I say this to say, when I worked with a chiropractor last year, he came to me, he was like, hey man, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, sure. He's like, yeah, ever since I've been seeing you, I haven't done anything but adjust, realign your spine and release your muscles. And you're running better, you're more upright, you actually seem happier, you're, the pain is gone. I don't believe that you had degenerative disc disease. Now, um, I say this really cautiously, one, because I'm not a medical professional, but I don't believe that I had medical uh, degenerative disc disease at all. I, I believe that I had emotions that were trapped in my body that showed up as tightness that put on my spine that caused me pain. And by stretching out my spine, it allowed me to release, uh, stretching out my muscles, it allowed me to release my spine. And by releasing my spine, it allowed me to be more aligned uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, I run better now. I breathe better now. <laughs> you know, things which used to be tighter for me, like my breath was always tight because I was always kind of feeling this tightness in my lower arms. Well, that tightness was just emotions that were trapped in my body. And now that I'm able to release them, I'm able to breathe better, I'm able to feel better, I'm able to sleep better, and I can feel my health getting better as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a strong believer that all of these things are connected, and when one thing goes off, it's almost like the domino effect starts, like your emotion go off, and then it could impact your physical, and then it impacts your mental, and then it just keeps going from there. And the, the reversal process is almost, is almost like the same, like once you fix the emotions, then it fixes the physical, then it fixes the other thing, and then you just get back to a holistic health. So yeah, everything is connected. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah there's two things I want to bring up, but um, I think this, this is a dream I don't think I've shared with anybody. But I've been getting, so when I started going to a chiropractor, like I, I just went just to go, you know, I, was, I didn't really think chiropractor had something behind, the chiropractic practice had something behind it. And then for some reason I started getting dreams on it. And one of them was actually pretty intense. We're like, so I was laying on the table to get adjusted. And then like, it was just this, this energy just entered into the room. And then mm -hmm. it was like pretty intense. And then I remember just lying down. And then as soon as the, the chiropractor adjusted me, then like, I remember just getting super aligned. And then I just threw up all the garbage. And like, I literally just threw up. And then as, as soon as I like, threw up and I was like releasing a bunch of stuff, then like that energy started to get more intense and then, I, and then like my eyes were closed and, and then I saw like a bright white light up in the sky. Um, and then I was like, just staring at it and it was like, I started concentrating on it and then it was like more of it started to, whatever was coming from that white light, I guess that was the energy that entered into the room was like, yeah. it was starting to just work on me and heal, heal me and things like that. So, I mean, I, I got, I get dreams like that about chiropractor. I'm like, 
It's, it's interesting how your spine is very, as soon as you align, it's like, for me, this is just a thought I've had. I think when people also mention the rod or staff in a Bible, you know, I think it's yeah. probably dealing with your spine or something like having a rod or something like that. But, um, can you go into that, that a little bit, the, the rod and the staff and the spine and how those are connected? Oh yeah. I mean, if you think of a, like Moses, for example, right. He had a rod in his hand when he, uh, you know, split the sea. Um, yeah. but I mean, my thoughts on it is like, uh, I've heard, okay. I mean, out of experience too. Okay, I don't really say, okay, I don't really say this. Yeah. So I've heard that in, in the middle of your head, the center of your head, you have the Holy of Holies or like the, the um, what do you call it? So in the Holy of Holies, there's two angels and then in the center point, there's like a, there's like a bright, you know, the, that's where the temp presence of God is. So yeah. in the center of your head, you have that. And so obviously your body is a temple. So when everything's aligned, sometimes you get, at least for me, I get surges of energy that go up and it goes into the center of my head. And then I'm able to be in that spot and see, you know, what's in the Holy of Holies or what's in the temple of God, if you will. And so as soon as you, I don't know why it happens or how, when it happens, I've heard people say it's like just the cerebral spinal fluid moving up. And I've heard it's every 30 days. But for yes. me, I, I, it's kind of not 30 days. You know, sometimes it's just random, you know, not consistently 30 yeah. days. But so it'll happen like that. And then so when you talk about the rod, it's like this is a temple. And if you think of a rod, too, in the center or the top of the rod, it holds like a crystal or a power. So in the same mm -hmm. way, we're kind of like a rod where we hold that crystal or power, you know, there. So so you can charge yourself up, charge that crystal on the side of, you know, the middle of your head. And then yeah. obviously with the rod, then you can have authority to do things or to, to, uh, I guess, have your will done or have God's will done or whatever will. Yeah. So it's a mechanism I'm still learning about. I'm pretty new to, but it's things that I've experienced and I find very fascinating. I'd love to learn more about that. And you know, I've heard something about this before, how, um, what is this? Is a, I don't know what, what fluid it is. It's in your brain that once a month it, it goes, it has to go all the way down to the bottom of your spine and then it travels back up. And yeah, yeah. It, this is that path of enlightenment for you. And, and when, when those blockages exist, then it doesn't have that, that free path all the way down to the yeah. base and back. So it gets blocked, it gets stuck. So, um, as long as there's a misalignment or there's a blockage in one of your chakras, you don't really get to achieve that true state of enlightenment. Um, it, and it takes a lot of work for some people to get there, but to some people it's just about um, being with themselves and um, going deeper within their practice. And um, unfortunately, Mola society today is going outward to go find that healing. But really when you go in, when you trust yourself, when you, when you dig deep, you can find that healing. It's so profound how you described um, the light and and the reaction to your body, how you threw up, right? That's it's such a yeah. visceral reaction. But I, I, I strongly believe that um, there were things that were probably blocked or trapped in your body and you needed to have that release in order to become enlightened or to become the person who you are. And enlightened has light in it. So it's becoming the light or um, embracing the light. So I'm so happy yeah. that you found that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you um have seen like in charismatic circles for example or what you would call exorcism, right? Like uh yeah. someone goes through an exorcism, sometimes they throw up or they show signs of that where they're just releasing stuff just emotionally. Yeah. So this yeah. is just this process happening too. Like it's it's just uh you know, lights coming in and then their the body's getting cleaned and things like that. And then yeah. but I think there's a disconnect and this is the second thing I was gonna bring up too is uh I mean, there's a disconnect between science and then spiritual stuff to where I think in science, you study matter so much, whereas spirituality is more a study of the eternal. So matter is something that's temporary and it's dying. And then people study that and they look very closely into that, but it's just death, whereas spirituality is seeking something eternal. So I think the bridge in between is something that, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people have looked into merging the two or the connection between the two nowadays, but I mean, have you found people that, I've tried to connect the two matter and science or spirituality or, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, on just um, 
Um, I, I think the, the two are not separate from each other. I think that we humans, we separate them because we, we, we use language that's divisive, not connecting. Um, we use language that separates the world, not bring it together. Um, this is just who we are. Uh, we have language that is inadequate to describe what it is that is our existence. So we call it science, we call it spirituality, but to me, it's all the same. Think about it. Um, in the spiritual realm, you talked about the light. You talk about becoming enlightened. What is light? Light is energy. What is energy? Energy is matter, at least according to Einstein. Energy is matter and matter is energy. What is matter is what we've been studying all along. We talk about science, we talk about physics and chemistry and biology. Okay, so those two things are connected, right? Science and spirituality. Uh, um, I know when you talk about spirituality, we, we get so many different names that we would call it Christianity, we call it Buddha, we call it Islam, we call it so many different things. For me growing up, the first 10 years of my life was spent deepening my spiritual practice, but following religion. Um, the deity of Christianity required me to do things, go to church every Sunday, pray, read the Bible, do all of those things. And that was great. However, I was also growing up in a family that was more science-based. My dad was a, um, in the medical profession and my mom was a nurse. So I spent a lot of time learning about the physical body, but also learning about the celestial bodies, the universe, um, how we have built the atoms, um, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and all make up the universe. But at some point in my science experience, I, I got to learn that matter is energy. They're interchangeable. And energy is what we spend a lot of our time trying to control. You know, love is a vibration. Gratitude is a vibration. Fear is a vibration. It's a lower vibration than love and gratitude. But those are all energies. Think about it. Why is it that when you come across certain people, you interact with them, you feel energized, you feel happy. But in other people, you feel like, oh, man, I got so drained. I, got, I feel like the life got sucked out of me. You know, you have certain, you're in certain spaces. Like usually when I go around certain spaces, like if I'm, um, if I'm walking around, or I'm driving by a church or, or, or like a cemetery, I feel this like, huge energy emanating from there. And it's not always the case. So I, I think that we use language, and this is just my own personal opinion, by the way. I think that we use language, which is, um, which doesn't really connect those things together um we we talk about the east and we talk about the west you know western medicine is really really good um and and by the way i i hope none of what i said is um is about bashing western medicine at all western medicine is really good at certain things detecting things and solving things that are really acute however when it comes to things that are more lifestyle more chronic based it's not as adequate and this is where the eastern practices come in um, mindfulness and meditation will heal your body. Movement will heal your anxiety faster than any pill will ever do. So um, I think that intricately science and religion are connected. Uh, science and spirituality are connected. We just chose to disconnect them or treat them really, really differently. And I, I strongly believe that if you found a way to actually tap the best of both worlds, you can live a more holistic life. Um, so that's just my two cents there. <laughs> yeah, I think you uh, you were that, that's kind of what I was trying to express right there. But yeah, we just lack the language to to really express what or yeah, we lack the language so that there's an emer or connection between the two. So yeah, yeah. language is definitely a separator between uh, science can be a separation between science science and um, spirituality. So totally, yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's something that I strongly believe in, but you know, I, I know that us as humans, we, we use our ego and we're like, okay, show me the proof. Well, show me the proof that an atom exists. Like no one's actually seen it and show me the proof that the universe is as expansive as it is. No one's actually seen it, but people ask you, show me the proof that God exists and no one's actually seen it. Right. So I, I believe that those things that are really subtle in life, we don't really have proof, but we seek proof because we're human. We, we have ego. But if you just have belief, and this is where faith and hope and belief comes in, like if you just have belief that these things do exist and that they're universal laws that govern the planet and the universe, then you can actually flow 
march seamlessly through this life and live a life of bliss more than a life of suffering. So, um, yeah. Well, like a, there's that there's that um saying or a scripture quote or whatever is like um it comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Yeah. But it, if if you think about it though, it's like hearing is like tuning yourself. Hearing is like you know, or faith is also like seeing it as well. Like hearing is like when you hear something, you tune yourself into that you know vibration or into that whatever it may be. So yeah. you we have faith because we hear and we know things are coming towards us. That's why we believe because we know that yeah that that thing that's in the present or in the future sorry the things that's in the future is coming towards us so that's why we have faith because we know it's slowly coming and obviously the word of god being the thing that we're bringing towards us that comes from god so that's a that's and, where and truth comes from 100 percent. and and depending who you speak to you know there's so many different schools of thought on it sometimes there's a school of thought like what you were talking about like the the thought around attraction right like as long as you have faith you keep going closer and closer towards the things that you desire the things that you want um what i'm also learning is that there's also the the, the law of assumption like just assuming that you're already there that all the things that you need in order to heal in this world already exist within you you already have all the knowledge you already have all the power in order to do those things and if you have that assumption then it actually allows you to be free of desire it actually allows you to go deep and say okay what do i want to be right now and then you be that uh, and i say this to say i've met so many people who are like actually i had all these ailments in my body and at some point i believed i i switched my mindset to i believe that i cannot be healed so i believe that i am healing like i don't need healing i am healing and you started off by talking about affirmations. Yeah, those affirmations do work. When you start believing that you are healing, that you are enough, that you are um, love, then you just emanate that. You, you don't have to seek it anymore. You just you just start sharing it and you just start accepting it in, in ways that you never had before. And I'm still so new to this stuff that I it's like, it's um i'm still growing into it and i'm still learning a lot about it and i'm i'm very open to that because this is where the the work needs to happen this is what taylor was talking about staring into the sun versus staring into the mirror yeah. <laughs> you know it's just do the work get the knowledge that you need deepen um deepen your knowledge about yourself i believe self-knowledge is is the greatest you know we spend so much time learning about the universe but um, who's it, Rumi, that said there is as broad of a universe inside of you as there is out there. So I've been committed to learning as much about myself as possible because um, by knowing me and by solving the issues that exist in my body, I can know you, I can know all different people, and I can help them solve some of those issues that they're dealing with as well. Um, there's no shortage of diabetes, obesity, heart condition, breathing, issues in america um depending on where you sit you know like you might start taking a pill for your diabetes and it leads you to the second pill and the third pill but if you have that belief that it's not the things that are outside actually the, the things that are outside that you put in your body that actually got you to that state so if you just eliminated those things your body will naturally heal but we have been programmed with this belief that you need a pill in order to heal your body. You need something that's outside of your body to come in and heal your body, but that's not true. Um, and, and sometimes, yeah, probably in like acute situations, but long-term, I don't, I don't think that that's the way. And in my case, it, it was not the way because when I got off all of the medication, it actually released my healing pathways to start recovering and start getting back on my feet start running start actually enjoying life in very very different ways so um so yeah I, I think i think the path to knowledge is know yourself and then by knowing yourself you can know as much of the universe as possible yeah definitely i think that's actually a good place to end it right there <laughs> but, uh, this is so beautiful this is so beautiful yeah. thank you um I just want to say thank you for this time and thank you for your story. I got to learn different pieces of your story. I actually realized that we both actually exchanged this passion for running. 
So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually know that before I got on. I, I knew that we were going to talk about um, spirituality and and wellness and growth, but I didn't actually know that you're not. It, it's so funny. Like we just connect on so many different levels, and once we give ourselves that that space to learn about each other, we realize that we are more the same than different. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful to you, Ezekiel, for giving me this opportunity to share my story um, with you, with your viewers, um, and, and with the world, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to come across this. And I'm, I'm hoping that this impacts at least one person who, who finds this and listens to this. So thank you very much. And um, I know it's really early for you in, in LA. So I'm sending you plenty of love and light as you start your day and as you go through your weekend. Yeah, I'm grateful for you coming on too. You shared a lot of good stuff and the gratitude, just your talk on gratitude is super powerful. So, um, and real quick though, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm, uh, people can find me mostly online, social media. I'm based out of Massachusetts, Boston. So people who are in person can find me in Boston. But um, online, uh, my website is andersondinka.com and I run a company called uh, Live Unity, um, L-I-V-U-N-I-T-Y.com. I'll, I'll send the, the, the link to you so you can add it to the show notes. Um, but find me on social media, I'm Anderson Dinga on most places or Prananyama on Instagram. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I'll link that all below. And once again, I'm grateful for you coming on. I appreciate you so much. Have a lovely day, man.